podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. G'day, it's James Baldwin here welcoming you to another episode of Oz F1, Australia's favourite Formula One podcast where we recap all of the Formula One races in the year. This time around, it's the USA Circuit of the Americas and indeed a very interesting race for Lewis Hamilton, a six-time world championship, although that is incredibly boring. But I'm joined by my friends and yours, the two Thomases. We'll start with my friend, Tommy T. Hello. And our favourite comrade, Campy. Boys, how are we? This is what happens when we do podcasts just weekly. <laughs> <laughs> One after the other. It starts getting a little bit ridiculous. But boys, it's, uh, man, what a, what a good bloody race. Compared to Mexico, this was just a much better level, a higher display of talent. Yep. Uh, boring at the front, as we always thought. Good for Valtteri, though. Valtteri won, of course. Lewis Hamilton came in second, got some random parking spot with some guy with a paintbrush. It wasn't that great at painting, and kind of all <laughs> the letters were a little bit skewed, but it said, reserved for the Formula One World Championship winner. Unauthorized vehicles will be towed, and I was just like, "Please, Daniel Ricciardo, park there," just because <laughs> that's kind of the thing that he would do. Just troll him. But anyway, uh, so that's exciting. Are we Lewis Hamilton fans here? You yeah. know what's really interesting? He's one away from Schumacher, and you know what? He's probably going to get it next year. Everything's going to change, and I don't think he's going to be in a car that's going to be quick enough to win a championship, potentially win some races. Look, I'm just saying next year, next year he's going to, no, 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 next year he's going to win. I think that's look, Mercedes is going to dominate for the rest of this era. Yep. Come the new regulations in 2021. I don't think we're going to see the domination of the sport that we've seen. So he might just equal Michael Schumacher and never beat him. Anyway, food for thought with that one. But boys, let's he's already got, he's already got more poles and he's about six race wins off being equal. You forgot that he loves Lewis. One championship. Here we go. Yeah, you know, it's one more championship, mate. It's it's a whole thing. I understand what you're saying, but it's yeah. not about how many races you won or all that sort of stuff. Oh, it's totally. just about number of championships. Yeah. Anyway, boys, good time out had by all. Look, we're going to start in the paddock because there is a lot of stuff going on that we need to get to. Uh, firstly, let's just talk about drivers and this very small rumor mill. Uh, obviously, we've got some news from the current Alpha, not new Alpha Tori, <laughs> Alpha Romeo. <laughs> Uh, Tommy, what's that? Uh, Giannavazzi staying. Ooh. So, what does that mean, Campy? There is no more seats left for our... Mr. Friend Hulkenberg. Mm. Well, there's still some seats left that we haven't There's wounds still available and nah. we haven't locked in anything, Mate, I think. Latifi's definitely going to take And the Red it. Bull camp has not locked in anything, but we think... Red Bull and Toro Rosso. Yep. There is there is very, very, very slim chance of Hulkenberg being accepted into that paddock when you've got so many out-of-category Mercedes and Ferrari drivers that are probably better. Because Hulk doesn't really belong to any driver program anymore, does he? No, he's kind no, of too he's, old. He's been in the sport long enough that he hasn't really needed to. That's and, true. And the rap on Hulk's always been super talented driver, mm. deserves a top drive at some stage in his career, but he's never had the chance to get into it. This is the first year he's driven against a tier A top-class mm. driver, and he's been showed up. He's had some opportunities really has, to get some podiums and kind of really show his stuff, and then he just fumbles it away and does nothing. Although I was very surprised to see that he's outqualified Danny Rick seven times this year. I remember at the start of the year, I was keeping a mental track. It was like 7-1 at one stage. So I'm trying to think where where he outqualified Second Danny. Second half of the season, he's had a few, but no, not Danny, by much. Danny Rick had that couple of years that had been disqualified from 
Yep. Two qualifying. Look, we don't need so to make excuses anyway. for Daniel Ricciardo. No, but in <laughs> saying that, there were things outside of his control, Campy, that clearly didn't allow him to qualify ahead yeah. of Alkenberg. Is that a fair enough statement? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Good. <laughs> that's yeah. good. Defending. That's very poli- uh, political of you. That's unusual. <laughs> uh, okay. So, boys, so that's Giovinazzi's confirmed. We're not really sure why. Are we? we? None of us really think he's all that good. But to be honest, Alfa Romeo has just fallen off the bloody bandwagon uh, towards the end of this year, hasn't, haven't they? they it's yep. sort of been a bit disappointing for Kimi specifically. I don't really care about Giovinazzi, but Kimi for sure. Looks like Kimi arose out of his hangover this weekend. <laughs> morning. He's, he's been on it since the summer break. He's been hungover. Well, on the first lap, he came out and took five cars in the first lap. I thought, geez, we're back he's here. He's a Kimi. legend. He's he just is. an absolute legend of a human being. Okay, let's get to the big thing because I think we might even need to do a separate podcast on this eventually. There are new regulations for the 2021 Formula One season that have been released and finalised. We're a couple of months late because I know that they wanted to release this around the summer break time. Five months late. But, uh, yeah, a couple, five. Uh, but this is the, the joy, I suppose, of having big teams like Ferrari sort of, you know, throwing their weight around trying to get things done uh, properly, like tyre blankets. Anyway, we can get to all of that. But, boys, you have been doing a lot of reading and research on this subject before the podcast, so I'm going to hand it over officially to you both. Campy, take us through the highlights because we'll do some more detailed stuff a little bit later, but some highlights for the changes for 2021. Well, the biggest changes come to the tech around the car and the car design. So we're going back to a ground effect car, uh, which which essentially means is a lot of the air that comes in is going to go in the front and under the car and then back out. So we're not going to see like we do in this modern era. We're not going to see a lot of the a lot of the air that hits the front wing and then bounce up and travel around the car and then go over the rear wing and spill dirty air. All the air is going to go underneath it. Now, the, we used to do this in F1 back in the 1980s until it was until it was uh, until it was banned because the technology in that area just far exceeded what the FIA con- controlled. So yep. they, they changed the way that they fundamentally designed cars. So with this ground effect car, the biggest thing we're going to do for it, having the air go underneath, is it doesn't create as much dirty air behind the following cars. So in that, there's a standard T-tray floor, which I don't know why it's called a T-tray, but it's a standardised floor across all, all the grid. Um, and they think at the moment in their testing that it's about an 86% efficiency for the car behind wow. at one car length. What so a huge change compared to gonna, now. They're only going to use they're going to lose 14% of their their downforce their behind. downforce efficiency at one car length behind someone. So that's a big step. It's huge. Whether yep. that's factual or not and whether that will actually play out on track because these designers are smart. They'll have workarounds the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, <but>. Adrian Newey's <laughs> already working. Yeah. <laughs> How can I create more dirty air? Yeah, but, correct. <laughs> but that is the biggest That is the biggest change. Because yep. you look at the car at the moment and, you know, if you've ever seen a close-up or if you've walked alongside any of the new generation Formula 1 cars, there's bits hanging off in every single direction. It's like the air goes on and they add more things to it. Yep. It just becomes a, a hyper-aerodynamic sort of race rather than something that's more simple. And I think you're right, Campy, like the, the FIA just got a little bit concerned back in the 80s and early 90s about we can't control this stuff anymore. This is getting way too and we can't Advanced. and there's not. And anyway, so now that they're all over it again, it's better to see it going back down that route, but I think. The reasons we see these cars, they just strap parts on on the outside that seemingly look like they do nothing. It's to create a vortice around the car. So once it gets through the punches through the clean air, 
the air that it produces out the back for the cars following just radically changes for the car following behind it. So yep. the hence why we see we can't see close racing overtaking is really difficult. Sebastian keeps spinning out. <laughs> oh no, that's his team. And we say, and we say it all the time that these Mercs aren't they're not cars that are designed to drive behind other cars. Yeah, it's true. Yep. So yep. that's the fundamental design philosophy that the teams have gone down. So it's good. It's pretty exciting, isn't it, Tommy? You were talking last week about the front wing uh, and having three sort of three defined bits rather than at the moment, which is... It seems like there's 35 different pieces on a front (laughs) wing at the moment. Every single week we're going through pit walks and we're seeing so much added and taken away. So And mainly taken away by Grosjean when he puts a new wing on the car and then goes into a wall and goes... <laughs> and we've only got one of those this week. <laughs> Classic. Such a good driver. <laughs> so this one's very simple. <laughs> Ericsson's everywhere. It probably was near that, that track, to be That's honest, true. with an indie point of view. Um, Sorry, so Tommy. The front wing is very simple now. It's going to be flat and it turns up at the ends like a, a plane wing and it's only allowed to have, I think, three or four... Uh, maximum components. Yeah, four standard parts. So that's yeah. it. So we're going to see far less in that kind of area. Similar to the rear wing is going to be, it's kind of a basically a big hoop that wraps around. It's one piece. What do they call it? A beam, a beam design? A beam design or something. Where yeah. It's all still up in the air to some degree. There's little tweaks to come, but the general gist is that it's going to be very simple and there's going to be talk about some maybe straps to hold them on if they fall off, some rubber membranes to get yeah, so debris. In terms of the straps, it's like, you know, at the moment if a, if a wheel just completely, you know, separates from the car, there is a strap to hold the wheel in place. We're not talking about like an Oki strap that if it's starting to <laughs> bungee cord. Oh, hang on, we'll just put a bungee cord on that. We'll set it back out. Because uh, no, yeah. it's all about safety. And you were talking as well about a rubber membrane that's sort of going to coat certain bits oh. of the car. Because if you think about this race that we just watched it uh, in Texas, there was just crap everywhere. Man. They would go over a bump and especially where Seb hurt his car, every time a different car went over that bit, a different bit of carbon fibre would fly off the bloody thing. Carbon fibre is known to be tough and it's not good to run over those kind of things and there's just shrapnel everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. And so we're obviously talking the, the whole intent of these new regulation changes is to see better racing. It's to sort of disrupt the big three. And they're probably not that stoked about it, to be honest, but it's more for teams. And I don't, because you could say big three, but if you look at spend, obviously Renault has this huge amount of money behind it. They're just pretty useless at the moment when it comes to aero and everything else. Although their motor's pretty good because we saw that against a Ferrari. We'll come to it. But anyway, it's all about being able to see teams, smaller teams like Williams and Haas and Racing Point, being able to get up onto a podium so we don't see this utter domination. If you look at the leadership standings at the moment, it's just so skewed to those top, Mm. you know, the top six drivers. Money talks. And it's just a bit boring. And, you know, I think more and more people are becoming a little bit more jaded with the sport, especially out of last year. This year became a lot more exciting. But, hey, 2021 could be a whole different thing. 2020 will be boring again because Hamilton will Speaking of money, the other big one is is we have a $175 million cost cap on the whole season. Yep. Um, so that's R&D, and there's, there's your three top engineers, like your team principal and the head engineers, are excluded from that, and the drivers are excluded from that cap as well. Yep. So I expect to see some teams throwing some huge oh, amount of money Record out. years of spending next year. Record. All 20, because they've got the budget now to pay some of these drivers – you know, more than what they are at the moment. But the $175 million to design the car, to go racing every weekend, and all the personnel that travels, I mean, that's going to be quite an efficient... Oh, yeah, it's not a lot quite, of money when you think about it. No, no, it's not. I mean, it is. 
it's a ton of money, <laughs> but for us mere mortals, but for teams like that and companies like that, it's just probably chump change. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, you think 175 million, you know, Danny Rick's on 40. If, if you start, if <laughs> yeah. that number included drivers, we'd see a massive shift in the sport, probably not for a, a good way. Anything else major that we need to know before we do an in-depth podcast, boys? Not really. There's some more diving into parts. There's more standardised parts. So yep. engines aren't made out of exotic materials anymore. They need to be readily available. Yep. Engine manufacturers now have to pass on the exact spec they're using. They can't give like a B spec to some of the other teams. Yeah, which so is like be Haas good. is going to get it. If they're a Ferrari customer, they're getting exactly the same engine, some fuel management data, and, yep. a, and a few other bits and pieces. Which is good. There'll be no changes in the gearbox from 2021, 2025. So that's five, huge, isn't that's it? That's five seasons of the same standardised gearbox. So, so you want to get it right? I think that will get it right. Yep. Um, the but, other thing was the fuel pump. There's going to be a standardised fuel pump. They're going to start integrating some biofuels, so the ethanol stuff that we see in Aussie. I'm sure that's in place around the world as well, which... It's your favourite thing, isn't it? Well, <laughs> it's a... Look, the regulations, I think we definitely need to change from where we're at. But it's a fine line because F1 is the pinnacle of motorsport. Yep. I mean, they spend amazing amount of money on going racing every year. But they, in 10 years' time, these car manufacturers actually get to put this technology and research back into the road cars. And it, it's, it's really – it's an outlet for them to spend that money so that they've got they've – got um, equipment for their road cars moving on in the future. Mm. Now, I don't think every team should be spending $1.5 billion a year to go racing because that's just, that's just stupid and not everyone can do it and it creates an uneven competition. But we still have to – there's a fine balance between how much we cap this stuff and how much we don't. Yeah. I don't think this – in 2021, I don't think that what we first see will be the absolute finished product of what we get. I think it's going to be changing every year. They're going to tweak it and they're going to make some – in 2025 or 2026, in the the end of the the new the new era of racing, it'll be completely different from what we start with yeah. because there's no way they're going to get it all right. I think the and idea then, would be that these new regs are designed to create a framework for teams to be creative within that. Absolutely. Just kind of rein it in from you can do absolutely anything in the world to you can do these kind of a bit more yeah. controlled things. So hopefully you can find some really good creativity within that and some really good um, engineering boundaries I, to push. I, I think teams will be able to outsource their R&D. Like a, like a company like Mercedes, they're owned by uh, Daimler. Daimler. And um, so Daimler. They could just go and, right, we're going to put 100 employees over there and we're going to R&D into a spec car that we're only going to make one of. And then once we make it, oh, we're just going to hand it to the F1 team. Yeah, because and I, I think that's the worry, isn't it? That's the worry because I think that's how the teams are going to get around it. Look, it's going to be interesting. And as you say, boys, I think there's a lot of tweaks that need to come. But hats off to Ross Braun. I think he and the team at the FIA have done an incredible job at trying to make this a better sport. They've listened rather than just ignoring. And I think that's the biggest thing here is we're just trying to make this sport better for us as, as fans to watch. Well, give us back V10s. 
Okay. <laughs> make them loud. Make them. Look, you're not wrong. And <laughs> and look, the turbo hybrid thing was is going to stay around for a longer time than we thought, uh, and that's okay. You know, I think we just need to deal nope. with that. And if you've but if you stood next to a car this year and listened to it drive past, it actually sounds pretty mean, especially the Honda motor. That sounds demonic in yep. its noise, and it's actually quite okay. It's not high pitched wailing and everything else. But you know, listening to a podcast with like Ralph Schumacher the other day, he's saying it's just really hard to hear the radio when you're sitting next to the engine all the time compared to where it is now. <laughs> so at least the comms yeah. are better. Uh, although, you know, Max Verstappen's engineer still has to check a lot. But that's okay. Okay, boys, let's talk about the uh, the US Grand Prix. What was your favourite moment of the race, Tommy T? Um, just watching Daniel Ricciardo absolutely destroy oh, everybody. Killed it, didn't he? Destroyed. That or destroyed Seb the, destroyed doing a the bit. mid-pack. <laughs> Seb going on three wheels for a little bit just to see what that was like. Yeah. Oh, I'm bored with this car yeah, in the way it's <laughs> current format. Let's just – oh, there we go. I've got it. Oh, that was a great shot, wasn't it? Yeah, very coming over that crest. And if, it just the, if it was going any faster, it would have flipped. I'm surprised he didn't actually go way more out of control. The, well, that's experience, isn't it, I yeah. think? Yeah. So his whole rear suspension just disintegrated. Yeah, basically. right rear in yeah. between in between the uh, the rear wheel. It was that all that carbon fiber and the push and pull rod, whatever. Ridiculous. No, that's on the front. Sorry, the push and pull, whatever it is on the back, just separated. But it was clear he had some issues before that. Mm-hmm. I think Ferrari just in general didn't like the bumpy track at Austin. To be honest, they were both suffering. Yeah, yes. now, the FIA issued a tech regulation to Ferrari about fuel, so maybe that's why we saw them drop off in pace. Yeah, Max Verstappen said after the race that uh, it's been interesting that they were so far off the the pace because last week the FIA issued a technical directive after questions from Red Bull specifically. Funny that. (laughs) Snitchy Horner. (laughs) Clarifying what would have been an illegal fuel flow issue. But, I mean, Bernardo's come out and said, okay, well, that's all well and good, mate. But, you know, you're, you're looking at... Vettel, who was just 12 thousandths of a second off pole position, and Leclerc was a tenth of a second back. So, yeah, but their not, race pace was nowhere near 100%. Uh, like, it was just, you know, it was rubbish. And look, Max is probably right because it's Ferrari and even Red Bull do it. I mean, this is the thing. It's like pot calling the kettle black. It's just ridiculous infighting when they're all doing something that they shouldn't yeah. be doing. And it's hard for the FIA to be over every single area, which is, you know, talking about the new regs is going to be interesting well, to like, see. It's like Racing Point pulling up Renault the other week. They've been holding on to that for the start of the year. For yeah. the perfect point, we're like, look, we're just going to keep this in our back pocket so that when Renault scores some points and we need them to not score points, that's we're going to, we're going to, play, yeah. our, yep. we're going to play our joker. Yeah. And yeah, they suck at Uno. Anyway, <laughs> no one really likes anyway. them anyway. Uh, yeah, so okay, so Campy, your favourite moment of the race? Oh, Kimmy Rock and start was pretty good. Yeah, I yep. didn't see it till after the race, but I watched that like a video of it. I'm like, geez, that's good. But moment of the race was uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Too, the, too first, the first lap stuff. and a half of Danny Rick's start was oh, amazable. Yeah. We, Amazing. This is my favourite moment of the race. The three of us, like, just <laughs> losing our mind when he overtook a Ferrari. Yes. <laughs> big, shout out, big shout out to Common Folk Coffee. <laughs> they, they hosted us for the last two races on a Monday morning at 6am Aussie time. They didn't have much of a choice, to be perfectly no, honest. No. We, kind of sat, we moved in. Yep. <laughs> they were on the big screen, so we've actually been able to watch a race together, which has been It good. has been good. Six o'clock in the morning for a race, you know, a bit of breakfast, bit of coffee. Love it. We're just Standing up and down, shouting like idiots. We yep. love it. It's great it start is, to the week. Yeah, it was. It's a good way of, of spending some time. What was your moment, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. Just Danny Rick coming, taking Vettel. You know, I think 
Oh, the fact that the fact that we saw such straight-lined speed from a Renault, and, the, and you know, we've seen this before, they're slippery, but you can just imagine the team radio, or if not the radio, just him in the cockpit, oh. just losing his mind. Without DRS was a thing as well. Yeah, totally. That's And look, Vettel was obviously struggling, and clearly his car was destroying itself at a point before the rear suspension broke, but... Man, it was just a whole moment. And great move. Like, up up genuine into fifth. Great move. Up into fifth. And, and, you know, this is the first week. This is the first consecutive race weekend that Renault's performed. Yep. They've been few and far between, but the last two weeks they look good. As they bloody should. Because uh, well, there's now also rumours of Renault potentially pulling Formula One out of their whole well, package. We'll get to New that. CEO. <laughs> we'll talk about okay. that when we are. Driver of the race. Tommy T, your driver of the race? Um, let me think. Come back to me. Yeah, okay. Uh, it can't be your driver of the race. Oh, Danny Rick, but I'll give it to Valtteri, I think. Cause I, th- I think, think no, he's won two out of the last three races now. And I'm so, I'm so, this happened last week. Again, I'm so sorry. Technical difficulties. I'll say Danny Rick. We're having technical difficulties again, ladies and gentlemen. I do apologise. Are you okay, Campy? I'm fine, mate. <laughs> Doesn't know how to put a handbrake on the car, but uh, <laughs> knows how to be wrong at answering that question every week. It's a public holiday. You're having a beer. <laughs> yeah, it is Melbourne Cup Day, if you're listening. Um, good. This is, you know, people who love history because they're watching a horse race rather than this brand new technological advancement called motor racing. Who would have thought? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, oh, look, Danny Rick just did a stellar job. Oh, look, I think Valtteri did good, but <laughs> I refuse to give, you know, drive the day now to those top three teams, yeah, except totally. for our. Albon. Albon did a great job coming back from the pack for where he did, but it was exactly like Max did last weekend. And Tommy, you and I were saying, you know, this is well, the three of us, in fact, that it was a red, it's the Red Bull car yeah. that drives so well behind dirty air yep. and still able to make good moves. Albon's really taking or getting the hang of it, I should say. Now, he's not as good as I think we were all hoping, uh, and I think he admits that as well. He probably just needs to get a little bit more consistent. But, hey, he's taking chances and overtaking in spots in the track that, yep. you know, Gasly never would have done. Yep. And Daniel Rick absolutely 100% would have done all the time. And, <laughs> he's still, and he's still doing even in a Renault. So, you know, that's that's a lot to say. And, well, sorry, a lot to come for, for them. And we'll see what they confirm with their lineup next year. Okay, best team on the day. What do you think? You can't say Mercedes. I'm going to stop you from saying Mercedes this time. I think McLaren. And McLaren I think is exactly where really I was going to go. They were great. Here as, we go. Hang on. As they always are. Just let me just yeah. let me sit back in my chair as campy is wrong uh, again. I, I don't know who I don't know who you give it to. I've got to, I've got to give it to Merck. I want to. Oh, he doesn't even listen to so instructions. Uh, McLaren had some really slow pit stops though. In fact, most teams this time out were sort of around the three yeah. and a half second for a pit stop. You know, when you, you're sort of normally doing two point two. I don't know if it's because the pit lane is so wide. Yeah, the other reason I wouldn't give it to McLaren is that they didn't beat a Renault. I mean, they had two cars in the top 10, but we've seen that consistently. They haven't performed amazingly out of their skin this weekend compared to the rest of the year. And But if you think of qualifying, like, you know, seventh and eighth, they're very, very solid from, oh, from, from them. They're quick over one lap. We know that. Um, yeah, anyway. but also definitely ahead of Nico Hulkenberg, both of them. So <laughs> on average, it's a better, better run by yes. this. Uh, okay, boys. Let's go through as we normally do uh, as the teams from the back to the front. I don't even need to look at my notes to start at the back. Williams. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had no pace. This week. Like, no pace for them this weekend. Yeah. So George Russell finished in 17th. We had three DNFs of Kevin Magnussen, Robert Kubica and Seb. Uh, Kubica just had a rubbish time. to wait 10 years to, to race on this track because he had his big accident in Canada back in 08. I'm pretty sure 08 before he uh, managed to get out to the US, which was the next weekend out, and that didn't 
happen for him. So, look, I mean, it's just a bit of a nothing now for him. You know, I think he's he's got two more races to go in Formula One. He's waiting for the chequered flag at Abu Dhabi to basically cement his future. Well, he goes his on bonus to. and walk away. Yep, thanks, guys. <laughs> bonus? What for? Well, thanks for nothing. <laughs> Uh, being lapped the most times oh, cool. on the grid. Hey, he's, still, the he's still beating his teammate in the championship. Wooden spoon. <laughs> he's got one point. <laughs> okay, you can't argue with that. Sorry, George. You should have been better on the day in Germany. Okay, so Williams really just, they're just treading water, aren't they, until 2020. What do we think is going to happen, though? Did, is, oh. it, is it looking better? Well, you look at McLaren last year and, and the year before, you know, they were terrible down the back of the pack all the time you know it was just really disappointing to see and they managed to turn it around I think if if they put the right structures in place uh, internally and the right people then I think they've got a, a good you know opportunity but they don't have a Zach Brown and you know I think Zach has made a huge difference in McLaren as the CEO of the entire company yep. obviously with a focus on Formula One but yeah I just don't think Williams have that and also they don't have this road car you know arm of their business as I alluded to last week, I think there's a sibling that could do a better job. Oh, shut <laughs> up, Campy. All right. You're a pain. You are an absolute <laughs> pest. Pierre Gasly, Toro Rosso finishing in 16th, and Danny Kvyat finishing in 12th, which he was finishing in the points again until he got another penalty. It seems like he's getting a penalty. That's two weeks in a row he's done that. He's throwing away points. It's, it's a bit – it's not the Kvyat we saw before the summer break. I wonder if he's thrown his toys out of the cot a little bit because he wasn't given the Red Bull drive. I haven't really followed them too closely to know what's happening to you. You and Alpha Tori. In fact, we were sitting in the in the race and Campy was browsing the Alpha Tori catalogue. Looking he was. At, I think he bought two of those 600-pound uh, coats, didn't you? You like, liked the jacket, at, didn't you? This jacket, I, I didn't mind the parker. I'm a bit of a sucker for the parker, but... It would look good on your slender body, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Just, just match your chinos and boat yeah. shoes and new yacht yeah. that you've got. Just think of Liam Gallagher on that, you know, those sort of, they mm-hmm. look cool, but not for 900 pounds. <laughs> yeah, door chats. Maybe uh, we'll get just, you sponsored. You will get you sponsored. You know, if, if you're listening and you like that kind of stuff, thomasjcamp.com.au forward slash fashion range, but F-A-S-H-U-N, uh, fashion. <laughs> fashion. Okay, <laughs> Toro Rosso, pretty useless. Someone else who's very useless, Haas. Oh um, my gosh. 15th Roman Grosjean. Obviously, in qualifying, we said uh, it was a practice that he d- decided to bin it. Seriously. Oh, man. What a great home race for them, too. Seriously. It's just, it's just I, just, I don't even know what to, I honestly don't think I can be Every bothered week talking we're about We're shaking Haas. our heads going, you've got a great car. It's seemingly to get into Q3 and then. Fall off a cliff and you can't race. Yeah, I just it I th- doesn't help when uh, Grosjean stacked at three out of the last three races as well. So anyway, we said this before the podcast started. Why would you sign or re-sign these two drivers that early in the year when you you've got you know all of this potential? There's all these young Ferrari drivers, and then there's you can go outside the Ferrari paddock if you want to and yep. find somebody. But good data analysis, man. Even <laughs> you know, how, the best data analysis is when you stick it in the wall. How does it cope? <laughs> Not well. Oh, well, I analyze the data for you though. Well, Grosjean's been with this team since the inception. Yeah, and you know, for him this yeah, year, that says he, a lot. This, yeah. this year he hasn't <laughs> driven too well. They might just be repaying him for the Ugh. three years of. Mate, there's no loyalty in F1 in nah. that respect. Well, Money talks at this point, and you need does. to have a fresh attitude. I think. Just think about the drivers you could have had. You could have had like, obviously Nico is 
available. Yep. You maybe could have tried to poach like a young George or someone. Maybe young like George. Young George. Young George. Do come and drive for us, won't you? Or even any of the F2 drivers. Have a crack. Like, well, why not? Yeah. Although it's always Harson Williams at the back now. I'm not sure George would want to jump out of the Mercedes <laughs> paddock just to go across to a car that's just as slow in a lot of ways. True. Yeah. At, least, at least the Williams is consistent. Like, it's, it's driving around the track at the same speed <laughs> yeah, all the time. It qualifies uselessly and it races races really uselessly. fast. And then suddenly they've crashed or something's gone broken or whatever. And Gunter Steiner has to smack his head against the bloody... I wonder if they've got, like, as part of the setup now with the screens, it's just a little area for Gunter to smack his head against the screen. Yep. (laughs) Oh, boys. All right, racing point. The Pink Panthers, Lance Stroll finishing in 13th and uh, Sergio Perez finishing in 10th. He did it again. He gets in there and just snatches a point. He did that thing where he does the, the secondary overtake. He waits for someone else to try and overtake a move and he just slides on in. When someone's vulnerable, he loves it. Yeah, it's every week. Right. <laughs> he's just a pest. They've he, got him. He's a pest. <laughs> <laughs> Old three year three year Checo. Man, I don't know. Oh, he's terrible. He's hanging on. He is. And Stroll wasn't too bad this weekend. He got out of Q three, which was. My favourite point about the Stroll family was Ted Kravitz <laughs> oh, pointing out Stroll's sister. <laughs> well, so here we are, we're in, the, uh, <laughs> we're in the pit lane ahead of the race and there's, there's cameras going different directions and Ted's giving probably a tired talk, although he hates it. And then suddenly Lance Stroll's sister appears on the screen and he stops immediately what he's saying and goes, that's Lance Stroll's sister, isn't it? Oh, and mother and whole family, I imagine, in the racing point. Yes, Ted, well done. I thought it was Crofty. No, it was definitely, it was definitely Ted. 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 Crofty just confirmed. <laughs> I bet the boys are back, by the way. Ted Kravitz, you're an absolute oh. superstar. We bloody love listening to on, you on, on, on Saturday. We did have Corinne, though, and Nat- that was useless. Natalie's not there, though. That's a shame. Oh, you know, and oh, what else is a shame is bloody Rosberg talking at any point. Oh, and stupid suits. What do you think of this? Right, oh, I don't really on. know. What move about on. you? We're an encouraging <laughs> bunch here at Oz F1, aren't we? Are we? <laughs> Speak for yourself. Okay, let's talk about Alfa Romeo. Giovinazzi finishing in 14th, and obviously a good weekend for him now because it's secured his future at least for another year for Alfa Romeo. Uh, Kimi Räikkönen finishing in 11th. This is just not indicative uh, of his performance, I think, just his driving style, he should be up in the top 10 at least easily. So obviously the Alpha struggling a little bit for development and pace, but uh, obviously that hopefully will change with the new regulations. He's going to be the first 50-year-old driver, I think, in Formula 1. He's just going to consistently be there because he's yep. always consistent. He just drives that bloody car so well, oh. considering how bad it is. And you know, it's, all, it's almost a shame, actually that he wasn't in the car last year. I know it was obviously Ferrari and Charles swapped, but the Sauber was a lot faster last year than it was this year. Far more competitive. He would have been up in that sort of, you know, top eight range, I think, each weekend. Well, they've had no R&D upgrades since the mid-season break, and I think that that is really... It obviously shows, doesn't it? No, that's indicative of their form. But before that, the first half of the year was stellar. Yeah. Um. Okay, let's talk about Renault. Finishing in ninth, Nico Hockenberg and Danny Ricciardo in sixth. Obviously, our superstar Danny Rick did a stellar job. Double um, points finish. And it's exciting to see him finishing in sixth. I mean, you know, we, time and time again we say, oh, and it's, it's mainly in qualifying or in the middle of the race, oh, I just wish he'd stayed in Red Bull or gone to a faster team. But, Tommy, you picked it up and said, you know, well, it's not like they've picked any pace up. Red Bull are exactly where they are last year in terms yep. of performance. Yeah, they've got a quick car, but... The fact that he's finishing in six, 
And there's plenty of races last year when the Red Bull and the year before and the year before that, he finished in six. For and sure. he was in a blue car, not a yellow one. So I think it's really good. I Hopefully, you know, he's bringing a lot to the team in terms of R&D and trying to bring a Red Bull perspective to a Renault car. Totally. And we know that these updates take a long time, three to six months to actually put into place. So the yep. car is starting to get better. Campy, you're a big fan of how they use tyres most weekends. It's quite a slippery well, car. If you look from the start of the year, the strategy's been all year to go long. It didn't work out early. Um, but we've seen it work out in the last few races. I mean, last week in Mexico, he started on the hard and that solidified his seventh spot that he got. Um, this week... They started on the softs and they managed the soft really well. Yeah. There was low deg on this track, but they still managed it better than, you know, seven or eight laps better than the rest of the mid-pack, and that's ultimately what got him the win. And he was able to follow really early on Lando and and overtake him as well. So once he got in that clean air, I think, yeah, it was good to see. Renault's ticking the boxes for me. It's just the question now is is whether they actually stay in the sport or not. Yeah. We've just seen them make a move. They've brought Dirk De Beer back. Yeah. yeah. Formerly of Williams and formerly of what used to be Renault back in the day. Yep. So they're making some moves. So that's a a big aerodynamics kind of shift that they're looking for going into the new regs to make that change now. So it's all positive from there, but obviously we've talked about the new CEO coming on board and – not not sure about yeah, well, like, for those of you who don't know the the previous CEO, CEO allegedly got done for a bit of fraud, <laughs> bit of under the table money. So the board in new- France, <laughs> <laughs> don't believe us. Uh, um, insert World War Two joke right now. Um, <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why You're a menace. Um, so the new one, the new CEO that we bought in, doesn't like. She doesn't like Formula One. And Cyril's been real public and really honest about it. And they don't know where they stand. They're committed to next year. They've still got to supply engines to uh, McLaren next year. But 2021, with the cost caps, that might that's might that might be what keeps them in it. But we're, we're not too sure. But that could have some flow-down effect for next year and how many staff that they employ and yeah. start designing on the car. You just don't know. If a new CEO comes in and she rules the roost and rules an iron fist, then... If you look at it, they could make a clean getaway because what Danny Rick's only on till next year. New regs, yep, all those kind of things. No more engine supply to anyone else other than themselves going forward. So, and that's, I mean, you know, Cyril said, "Oh, that's a good thing." What's well, not really because that's a loss of a lot of money to the team for sure. You know, in terms of having customers for engines, so six and a half million dollars a motor, isn't it? Yeah, correct. So, so, I mean, look, there is a lot of negative press about Renault. There's been a massive lack of success, and the costs have been significantly high. And if you, you know, if we're all coming into a recession here, and you're a CEO of a massive company and you're on austerity measures, you look at something like F1 and go, "Well, prove to me why," you know. Okay, well, Alpine or Alpine, if you're an Australian looking at going, oh, that's a car that's <laughs> called Alpine. Uh, that's, their, that's their, like, you know, it's sort of coming back to life now. They're really awesome little French sports cars. And, you know, we've just seen the first uh, first couple in Melbourne arrive, or at least I did a couple of days ago, which is awesome to see. But there's not a lot that's going to be selling in this country from a French performance car. Yep. Uh, and they're the biggest car manufacturer in the world. You've got to ask the question. You've got to ask the question, though. Like, you know, is it is it going to be worthwhile? I really hope it is, a hundred percent. But you know, even Cyril's saying that with the twenty twenty one rules, Mercedes and Honda are still haven't decided whether or not they're actually going to commit. Yep. Yeah. There's been no commitment from those two. Yep. Yep. Ferrari have because they'll commit forever. But you know, it's just sort of 
it, it's interesting. I think you'll see them stay around. Yeah. I think, you know, they sort of ummed and ahed about it when they pulled out of the sport, but kind of only half pulled out because they still supplied motors and obviously that was success with Red Bull. But it worked for Renault supplying motors. Yeah. Because they still got all of the media attention that they got normally without running the factory works team. Yep. With half the expenditure and a small crew of people, but yep. again, the R and D flows into the on flows into their yeah. You just wonder if it, if it actually makes money is the problem. Like I don't know if F team F one teams actually do make money. No. That's the problem. It's Unless a marketing exercise for Renault. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. But that's a, but look, I don't know exactly how it works, but I I would suggest that a lot of it would be written off on a tax bill to their home country because it's R and D. Yeah. That's that's and the way you got to look at this. Correct me sport. if I'm wrong, but I think the French people do have a stake in Renault as a company. I'm pretty sure. 100. percent Yeah, yeah. It's oh, partly, it's partly uh, state inverted commas state owned uh, team. So it's not just a fully private company like yeah, Ferrari so, or Mercedes. So look, they've got to be, they've got to justify the amount of money. Yeah, exactly. totally. And, and I they're think paying you, Danny Rick too. So. Look, let's <laughs> and let's, if you'd be bloody lucky too. 100. percent It'd be interesting to Tree see what happens. Right. Interesting to see what happens when Esteban Ocon comes on board. Maybe a little bit more for sort of French nationalism, sort of enthusiasm about the sport again. Because at the moment they've got Grosjean, he's not really French anyway, yeah. and that's kind of. <laughs> I mean, Danny Rick does say Oshante a couple of times every interview, so he's doing his bit. One hundred percent. That's the only French you need. That's all he knows. Yeah. It's, it's a strange fit for his sense of humour. It's very funny when he does Oshante. <laughs> Oshante. <laughs> it's like he's wee. taking I love it. Non. Wee wee. It's like, it's like wee. Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards trying to speak German. Yes. Yes. Oh, Jordan. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Good. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Anyway, okay, let's talk about Red Bull. Uh, Alex Albon had a massive incident with Carlos Sainz on turn one. Uh, he took a little bit of a flight. He decided yes. that he wanted to try and be an aeroplane for a better moment. Huge yeah. up and down. I mean, you know, talk about the bumps, although that little thing that he had is probably equal to around turn nine about the bumps <laughs> down there. But he took off almost. Uh, two strange things out of that accident. Zero damage for Carlos Sainz and seemingly zero damage for Alex Albon, yeah. even though he took a bit of a flight. The only thing that they had to do was, you know, replace some tyres because that was a bit of an issue and then off he went. Mm. Didn't seem to be a hell of a lot of damage to his car considering he pitted twice uh, and he was hovering around the back of the pack around that sort of 13th, 14th and then poop, came up the inside, well, not the inside, but came up to the rest of the pack and, and finishing in fifth. Yeah. Good on him. Good job. And I think, look, to be fair to Albon and pretty much anyone else on the grid, if you put most of the drivers in that same situation in the same car, they're probably going to do something similar. You put a Kimi, you put a Ricardo, you put, you know, Carlos Sainz even as well in those mid-packs. I don't think someone like Checo or Lance would be able to do what he did. But yeah. the car allows him to be a bit braver. Yeah. Than it does. In the Toro it does. And he's definitely outperforming what Gasly was doing in that car. Yeah. But he's still five tenths off Max in yeah. qualifying. Just not cutting it for me. And that's okay because he still hasn't had that long in the sport. This is still his first season. And I think a lot of people need to remember that. Max has been in the sport for about 50 years. Yeah. He's still young, but he's been he's here forever. But he's been in it since he before he was born. Oh no, that was Joss. Okay, uh, for a hurry. Well, we were just speaking a little bit before about this fuel flow potential issue in the technical directive. Uh, Charlotte Claire finishing in fourth. He was just all completely off of the pace. Yep. It wasn't a good weekend at all for Ferrari compared no. to last time around. Although still, although Charlotte was good in qualifying, pretty good. 
Yep. Well, Seb was too. Well, they both were in qualifying, but as you said, Campy, before race pace wise, shocking. Yeah, I think I think that that fuel directive from the FIA, uh, that technical directive, has hindered a lot of their. It just got performance. a bit spooked, you reckon? Well, it's, yeah, clearly has. I mean, we look at where they were before the mid-season break. They hadn't won a race, underperformed all year, and everyone's going, "What's happening?" And then they come out at Spa and smoke everyone, and we're going, oh, "Okay, a bit of Ferrari resurgence." And then a technical directive is issued and yeah. their pace drops off to where it was previously and they're getting beaten by Red Bulls. Yeah, and, and a track like this, they should probably shine, to be honest. And it wasn't like I remember looking, Charles was 40 seconds off the top three by the end of the, you know, it's almost, yeah. it's not quite a second, but it's close. It's a second a lap. Yeah, it. Well, and we just got it. We have to talk about this, this, cr- not crash again, but on turn 10. And if you don't know the the track or you haven't watched it yet, it's there's this where the the red and white rumble strips sort of end, and then there's a massive bit of grass, and then the track. A lot of drivers were cutting out out of nine, hitting the apex in ten, and just coming out a little bit wide onto that spot. And every car that went over it just seemed to dig a deeper and deeper hole until Seb went over it, and then he almost took off, uh, which was. Yeah, there's a lot of – look, if you haven't watched it, go and find a video somewhere online and watch it because, again, Tommy, your point, the way that he controlled that car. Yeah. Also, no safety car this race, I've just Bizarre. remembered. <laughs> that was the only time that there really could have been, but Seb, ever the gentleman, found, he kept driving till he found a bit to park it where they could just push it off. Of course, WHS, as we said, doesn't exist in the US. <laughs> and track, some track marshals just come on and push the car off and that was it, just some double waves. Because we were hoping for yellows for bloody Danny Rick to get in. Yeah, well, it's, get off his soft tires. Tur- like, Damn it! Turned out to be a good thing for him yeah. anyway. It actually played really well into his hands. Yeah, we saw. Was it Magnuson stacked at the end, or was that a crash? No, no, it was Magnuson. <laughs> it was right at the very end. Yeah, that's right. it looked like he had brake failure. Which which gave did. which gave Lewis the second place in the end because Max was hunting. Oh, he was coming. And where and you know down that back straight, which is your favourite place for overtaking, Campy? Just. Back straight. Well, that's where he was, and it just meant that you well, know he couldn't get past Lewis at that point. My frustration with the uh, the race director, not the TV race director. We didn't see any of the on track battles early on that we wanted to see. We kept seeing these ridiculous replays, and I was saying to the boys, I was like, "Oh, just show us this back straight where Ricardo's trying to get Norris." Just. Frustration. Always about the back straight. Uh, we haven't spoken about McLaren. I do apologise. Lando finishing in seventh and Carlos finishing in eighth. They had a solid Good weekend out. Yeah, weekend. And, solid. You know, Zach Brown at the beginning of the race was saying, or well, before the race, I should say that uh, Mexico just wasn't their track and the tyre deg was too high and, you know, it just didn't work for them. So Carlos ended up defending more than attacking. Man, he was doing some good driving very, very much up the front, especially, well, including Lando, I should say, both of them. You had you a know, great start acceleration. from both. Yep. Oh, up there with the Ferraris and, you know, Danny Rick and the Mercs. Yep. They're both very good at avoiding trouble on the first laps. Yep. Well, both very Carlos, good. maybe not so much in this instance, but, yeah. you know. I mean, he did everything he could and, like, that was just unfortunate racing incident, well, but. Norris needed to get a result on science at some stage. Yeah. Yep. the last 10 races, it's been pretty one-sided yep. in that garage. And that's okay, again. First season now, Carlos is the better driver as far as I'm concerned. You still, like, you need a number one and number two driver, regardless if you state it or not. There needs yeah. to be some sort of support. And even going back to Renault, bloody Hulkenberg didn't support bloody Ricardo at all. 
He there just, was no rear guard action like none. Bottas does with no. Hamilton. It was just, just yeah, whatever you say on through, Checo. <laughs> oh, come on, mate. Just do something. something. Do something. Give me, give me half a second. Do something, Hulkenberg. <laughs> <laughs> you bloody yeah, idiot. But that strategy was terrible from Renault as well. They kept Hulk out for so long. I was just, what are you doing? Yeah. Well, they're not great at strategy, are they? Dan, just let Danny Rick have the car, and that's kind of the end of it. To be All honest, right. like second half of the season, they've been better with Danny, but yeah, early yeah, on, terrible. Is useless. All right, let's talk about Mercedes then. Lewis Hamilton finishing in second and clinching his sixth world championship. Congratulations. Uh, look, it is a big credit to Lewis. He's he's in a great car, and uh, you know he, he had a, a bit of an interesting start to the year with Valtteri he, leading. He is, a, he is probably one of the best drivers we've seen all time. 100%. He's, he's a star. We and joke about it, but really, we're just annoyed because Danny Rick's not in a similar position. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, want our boy to be shining. And we, know, we, we don't know, Lewis. We don't know any. We don't know how that guy lives. We don't know the attention that the media gets. We don't know how we'd respond to it if we're in the same position. Would you know? Could end up like a child Hollywood star. You know, these guys. I'm. These guys, did, <laughs> sorry. Imagine Jeppy is a child Hollywood yeah, no, star. That's, exactly that's where I went. I was like, wow. What would he be in? What sitcom <laughs> would that be? <laughs> I really, <laughs> let's do it'd a Netflix be, series. It'd be Cheers. But, yes. you know, with a 12-year-old sitting at the bar <laughs> looking like a 54-year-old. <laughs> no, but Lewis, we give Lewis yeah, a lot of yeah. stick. We like the guy. But he's a great and driver. And we've got he's no, we've got no idea what this dude lives like day to day how he's treated, the pressure he feels, and for him to consistently be on top, it's quite hard. I think considering he hasn't qualified that well this season, to be honest, he's only had four poles and yep. he's still won 11 races. You know, it just goes to show that you don't need to be on pole to win the bloody thing. <laughs> and the year that Rosberg beat him, you got to remember, he still won 12 races that year and Nico only won 10 or whatever, yep. 11 and 9, I think it yep. was. And he outdrove Nico that year. It was just that one mechanical that... Yeah, basically handed Nico the championship, and I'm not taking any away from Nicky. Nico, oh, I would. Yeah, no, <laughs> after all of his Heineken ads and everything he's done yeah. this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's undone his good work. Give me that back, please. <laughs> Congratulations to Lewis, mate. You're yeah, a, you're, you're a, a superstar. Star. You are a genuine superstar, superstar. And, and you and seem to be such a, a legend to other people, as in other drivers on track. I think we just want to see him actually genuinely challenge for seven, and that's when we'll start talking about this. One's kind of like a, I don't know, a mid kind of tier. Um, but Six he, is nothing. It's kind of floating in the middle of nothing. But he had his he had his years between like from two thousand and nine to two thousand and thirteen, before he won his second championship. We were watching him in a McLaren against the Red Bulls in the team that he was in. If you draw comparisons in, mm. and mate, the kid still drove extremely well and, and was hungry. And he McLaren, definitely wasn't in the best car then. Yeah, and he still performed. He was a bit yep. like you could call him a Danny Rick. Yep. Like what? Well, if you drew comparisons, he's look. He congratulations, mate. Just great on Sundays. You, you hey, deserve all the accolades. You but get. also congratulations to Valtteri Bottas winning this time around. Yep. I think Bottas well deserved for a, another year in Mercedes. Yep. Uh, I wonder what he'd be thinking now in terms of like that's done for him. Uh, obviously, the World Championship. He he's number two in the standings, and I think he will, will, will stay there. What do you do over the summer break coming in? I mean, this is his best year. ever year. Well, winter break, I should say. Best ever year performance-wise, like most points, most polls, most victories. Right. Yeah, he's done really well. Like, I mean, he doesn't look like he's done well because we're always comparing him to Lewis. That's his unfortunate yeah. position, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know what he does. He's just got to come back really fiery like he started the year and try well, and sneak a couple of early ones. I think in the first seven or eight races, the pole position count was five to three. Yeah. And he just didn't capitalise on those starts. And I remember mm. saying early on, 
He was getting out of those the car and he was kicking himself. He's like, geez, yeah. I've, I've lost three or four chances. And those three or four chances that he didn't take earlier on the year ultimately hindered him in this second half of the season yeah. where he was being he, a bit of a nice guy, wasn't he? Well, he just couldn't bridge the gap back to Lewis. But if yeah. he had have taken those, you know, extra thirty points on Lewis and you know, it's a sixty point swing when you start looking at it like that, it becomes tighter and these last two results may have handed him Put it yep. in his favour. And then we see more of a fiery Lewis and it's better for everyone. That's what we want to see. We don't want to see him walking into a championship with two races to go. No. I mean, Valtteri's headstrong enough that he's... <laughs> I did see him get interviewed after the race and they were like, oh, Valtteri, can you please come over here? Can you please tell us all about Lewis? He's like, well, actually, I'm very happy with my win, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> and, and this is the problem I think oh, with being man. in that team for him will be now keeping his head up for the next yep. two races. And look, you know, we, we've got Brazil next. I love Brazil as a track. I think it's fantastic. Not super long. A lot of high power sections, a lot of fiddly bits in the middle. You know, What's it's the a, back straight it's like? A good, oh, I love a back straight. If you, do you love a back straight? Uh, not Campy? as much as Campy does. Oh, Campy's back straight. Mmm, good. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true. Uh, but, you know, Max won that last year. Yep. And looking at the 2018 results, Max won. We had Ferrari's second, third, and Mercedes fourth, fifth, and even Nick and Hockenberg finished Didn't in sixth. Didn't win it? Didn't he get taken out, up, taken out by Esteban Ocon last year? Uh, no, that was <laughs> the, the, he. Unla- yes, kind of, but you know, that's let's just talk. Okay, did he, did he still win it? <laughs> let's talk about Ocon later. Next podcast around. Yes, he did still win it. Uh, but Brazil is is potentially a Valtteri track. If he can get out in front and do a pole, you know, there is enough power section in in that. Uh, that track for, for him to pick up a win. But uh, anyway, boys, that's to play forward. Not a double header that time around. We've uh, got a couple of weeks until we uh, stand out there for Brazil. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. What, yes. what, who, do you th- who do you think? Max. Max. I think so. I think it's, uh, it's, he's very hungry, especially now. Oh, yeah. That Ferrari potentially aren't going to be performing as well as they are. Uh, it's going to be interesting to play for. All right, boys. Well, look, thank you so much for your time in uh, recapping the US Grand Prix. And hey, if you've enjoyed listening to this and you haven't done so already, please subscribe. We're on any podcast app that you can find, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a rating in what you think of Campy's Back Straight. <laughs> Gentlemen, until next time, we'll Hashtag see you then. <laughs> Yeah. Campy's great at writing copy for social media. Have you Is seen he? his recent post? Yep. Oh, uh, wait, I haven't because you don't have social media. No, no, he's got a new Instagram account. It's at Comrade Campy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> ConradeCamp.com.ru. <laughs> Which block is your favourite block? <laughs> Very good. Sports Social Podcast Network.